السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله والحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومن وله قال رب شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل الأقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم زدنا علما All praise and thanks is due to Allah Azza wa Jal. Peace and salutations upon Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, his family, his friends, and upon all those who try to emulate him until the end of time. Al-Hadithu Thalathun An Abi Tha'laba Al-Khushani Jurthum ibn Nashir radiyallahu an An Rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam qal إن الله تعالى فرض فرائض فلا تضيعها وحد حدودا فلا تعتدوها وحرم أشياء فلا تنتهي فلا تنتهكها وسكت عن أشياء رحمة لكم غير نسيان فلا تبحثوا عنها حديث حسن رواه تارقتني وغيره. This hadith is narrated by Abu Thalaba al-Khushani al-Jurthum ibn Nashir. May Allah be pleased with him. He said that the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, "Indeed, O verily, Allah subhanahu wa taala." has laid down religious obligations, yani the faraid. So do not neglect them. And yes, set limits. So do not overstep them. And he has forbidden some things. So do not violate them. And he has remained silent about some things out of his compassion for us. Out of his compassion for you. Not out of forgetfulness. So do not seek after them. And this hadith is narrated or is found in the book of Imam Ad-Daruqutni. And this hadith is Hassan. So the first point right, is that this hadith right, is a hadith which deals with four things and also it teaches us that قُسِّمَ فِيهِ أَحْكَامُ اللَّهُ أَرْبَعَةَ أَقْسَمُ that the rulings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can be divided into four number one فَرَائِد those things that are فَرْد number two مَحَارِم those things that are haram. Then, hudud. Those things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has set certain limits around. And the last one is, maskut anhu. Those things or things that Allah has, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has remained silent about. And these ahkam, the, what do they do with the religion? They basically cover the whole deen. 
And this is why some of the ulama, they say that this hadith, aslun kabirun min usul al-din. That this deen or afwan, that this hadith, al, yani al hadith asl kabirun min usul al-din. That this hadith that speaks about these four things, this is the one of the biggest foundations of the foundations of our religion. And there are some of the ulama that they explain. And they say that you won't find the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that gathers all the usul or all four of these foundations except the hadith of Sa'laba. So now let us look at these four things. Number one, he says, or the Prophet, peace be upon him, he says, Inna Allah farada faraida fala tudayi'uha So here, that indeed Allah Azza wa Jal has made compulsory. Ya Allah has made fard. Do not. Right, so Allah, he says, or the Prophet, Afwan, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, says that Allah has indeed made things far. فَلَا تُضَيِّعُوهَا So do not neglect them. And these things, أَوْجَبَ أَشْيَا وَجَعَلَ فَرْضَهَا حَتْمًا لَازِمًا كَالصَّلَاةِ وَالزَّكَاةِ وَالصِّيَامِ وَالْحَجِّ وَيَجِبُ عَلَى كُلِّ مُسْلِمٍ الْإِتْيَانُ بِهَا كَمَا أَمَرَ اللَّهِ دُونَ تَرْكٍ لَهَا أَوْ حُسُولٍ إِخْلَالٍ فِي فِعْلِهَا So things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made fard for you. For example, salah. For example, zakah. For example, siyam. Example, hajj. These things are made fard by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Rabbul Izzati wal Jala and these things cannot be neglected you cannot leave these things out so let's take salah for example the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he says al-ahdu alladhi baynana wa baynahum as-salah faman taraka faqad kafara that the contract between us and them, meaning the people that don't believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is the prayer, it is salah. فَمَنْ تَرَكَهَا فَقَدْ كَفَرَ And whosoever does not make salah, he has disbelieved. Right? So I'm not going to go into the ufik issue, right? Because some of the ulama say that this hadith is minor kufr is not major kufr some of the ulama they say no this hadith is major kufr so someone that misses one salah right and this is the madhab of Imam Ahmad right he misses salah he don't make salah he's out of the fold then others they have different views so majority of the ulama they say that if a person 
He makes salah one day, he skips salah next day. Right? He's not out of the fold of Islam. It's a major sin. Other ulama, they say no. Right? Like Ibn Qayyim and others, they say no. Yeah. Tariku salah, they say one salah. So until he makes a salah again, between that time that he missed and another salah, he's out of the fold of Islam. This was some of the view of the companions of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam as well. So do not neglect your fara'id. Wahadda, the Prophet says, Wahadda hududan fala ta'duha. And Allah azza wa jal has set limits for you, so do not transgress, do not overstep the limits that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has laid out for us. So shara'a umuran hiya wajibatun aw mustahabbatun aw mubahatun fala yatajawazu tilka al-hududa ila ghayriha. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala there's certain matters that you will find in the shari'ah. And it is wajib or it is mustahab or it is mubah. So do not transgress to do not transgress these limits. Because what's going to happen when you transgress that things that are wajib? You're going to end up in haram. That thing that is mustahab. You're going to end up in that which is makru. And then I want to take you back to one of the first ahadith in the book. Quite a lengthy hadith. Where the Prophet ﷺ speaks about that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He has for example like how a farmer has its boundary walls. The deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is like that as well. So do not overstep it. Do not go because if you're going to go into doubtful matters what's going to happen? You're going to end up in haram. And this is why the ulama, this is why the scholars, they've explained and they've given us something which which is known as saddu Yani Almost like if you look at it in English, that something that's going to lead to something haram or something that's going to lead to something that is shirk or something that's going to lead to something that is bidah, then you stay away from that. becomes haram. So let us look at an example. So now I'm going to... So there's a difference. Right? Everyone agrees that whosoever goes to the sahib of a qabr, to a grave, whoever goes to the grave and he says... Oh Fulan, oh Jilani, oh Badawi, oh Rasulullah, give me this. Right? My wife can't fall pregnant, so give me a child. So everyone agrees as he should. But those, some of them, they differ now, so they said no. But if you go and they say through your status, through your baraka, because you were such a pious person, etc., you ask Allah for me. We say this is haram. But what do we add to this? That this is going to lead to what? It's going to lead to shirk. 
So do not transgress the borders or the boundaries of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَذَلِكَ كَالْمَوَارِيثِ الَّتِي بَيَّنَ اللَّهُ فِي كِتَابِهِ فَلَا يَجُوزْ لِأَحَنٍ أَنْ يَتَعَدَّاهَا وَأَنْ يَأْتِيَ بِقِسْمَةٍ تُخَالِفُهَا So now the author, rahimahullah ta'ala, hafidhahullah ta'ala, he says, and he brings the example of inheritance, mawarith, mirath. Right? He brings this example. And he says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and the, right in his book, he laid down the rules of inheritance. Right? If you open Surah An-Nisa, so it starts on the side of the page, on the right hand side of the page, and then on the left hand side of the page towards the bottom. Right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is now obviously in the 15 line Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He speaks about يُسِيكُمُ اللَّهُ فِي أَوْلَادِكُمْ لِذَّكَرِ مِثْلُ حَذِّ الْأُنْثَيَيْ And about two or three verses, he carries on explaining the shares. Right? That is pertinent to each and every heir. So someone dies, someone passes away, they certain heirs, they will get certain stipulations which is found in the Sharia. And then if you go back to the end, so you move now, Finish the fourth juice, you go to the fifth juice. In the sixth juice, the last verse of Surah An-Nisa as well. Right? kulillah So here again, Allah speaks about a certain rule with regards to the inheritance. And this, yani, basically is your inheritance. Found where? In the Quran. So we, I cannot say, you know what? Um, this son, he maybe never listened to his mommy so well. Or maybe there was three sons and the one, they helped. Right? So, this is a common thing. Right? I've had a few cases already. But now you see, um, right, we're going to, right, so there's three sons. Just say Muhammad, Abu Bakr and Imran. Right? So maybe Imran is a good son. So he helped mommy and daddy everything. He took mommy and daddy in. But now, Sharia is what? That everyone must get their shares. Right? If there's, so maybe there were three sisters as well. So six children. So the boys get double and the girls get single. So what happens? But now, they wrote their own thing. They wrote, look here, that, what did we say? Imran, right? So he said that Imran looked after them. So Imran is going to get the house. And mashallah, daddy was very wealthy. He had a million rand when he passed away. So Imran must get summa. He's going to get 600,000 rand. And that 400,000 must be split up. Is this right or wrong? This is wrong. Right? This is incorrect. So even so, what will happen? So the Imam is supposed to come in. The executor must come in. They must say, no, this needs to be done, split now according to the Sharia. I know of a case, right, where this happened, where the father gave, right, the one son, he said, no, you get this, you get that. And didn't worry about the other children. So, they obviously took the case to a local scholar and he said, no. So that, so lucky the brother, he was a person of deen, etc. 
So what did he do? He split everything according to Sharia. But the point that we're trying to get or the, that the author brings is to not go over, to not transgress the limits of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And what does Allah say? Tilka hududullah. These are the boundaries of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Fala taqrabuha. Do not come close to it. Look at zina for example. Right? Allah, what does Allah say about zina? La taqrabu zina. Do not come close to zina. So there you can take, okay, so here's the parameter. This is the zina. But before you're going to get to zina, what are you going to get? Muqaddima to zina. The things that will lead to zina. Example, girlfriend, boyfriend. Chatting on the phone. Sending private messages, sending pictures. Going out on a date. Watching a movie together. So this is all, it all can lead to what? Can lead to zina. Right? And, right, you... Ask Aizani, ask people that committed zina wa na'udhu billah. Did they just wake up one day all of a sudden and say that, look here, I have someone and we're going to make zina. No. It was a process to get there. Wa na'udhu billah. So, do not transgress the boundaries of Allah wa Azza wa Jal. Wa harrama ashya'a fala tantahi kuha. يعني أنما حرم الله لا يجوز للمسلمين أن يقعوا فيه بل يتعين عليهم تركه كما قال ما نهيتكم عنه فاجتنبوه. So here we understand, right? And this is quite clear that Allah has made some things haram for you. So do not Involve yourself in this. Do not go. Right? Do not violate this. And right, we don't need to go into too much details, but let's just take one thing for example. For example, riba. Right? We know riba is haram. So what's incumbent upon us? Two things. From the angle of staying away hamla, we know that. But also we need to study the different forms of riba. As the poet, right? So sometimes you find people. They'll ask you, but why do you explain what is bad? Why do you teach people for right things that are not correct? So what did the poet say? The poet says that I want to know, right? Or I know sharp, I know bad. Not that I can involve myself, I'm paraphrasing, not that I can involve myself in the bad. But rather that I can know it so I can stay away from it. Sheikh Albani rahimahullahu ta'ala. It is a quote which is attributed to the Sheikh. Where he says rahimahullahu ta'ala that we need to know or we study what is bid'ah in order to know what is sunnah. Makes sense? Opposites. Correct? Right? Look at the child. You're going to? What do you tell him? Burn. You're going to burn. You don't just tell him a zot. He doesn't know what is what. He needs to know what's going to happen also. 
So now he knows it's hot. And now you'll know obviously when the stove is not hot, the stove is cold. So like that we need to know the opposites as well. And with that with Deen as well. You need to know those things that are halal, no doubt. But you also need to know that what is haram. You, so you find in today's time, right, I call them the feel-good Muslims. You must only preach about Jannah. You mustn't preach about Jahannam. But in order to stay away from Jahannam and not to fall into Jahannam, you need to know what Jahannam is about. Correct or not? So I need to know that if I don't make salah, this is the punishment. The Prophet said, this is what's going to happen. If you, do, if you do X, Y, and Z, this is the consequences. Like this in life, everything for is like that. When you were in school, our parents never just told us, study, study. If you don't study, that's going to happen to you. Right? We all went through that. Right? No one just says study. So like that, you need to know the opposites. وَسَكَتَ عَنْ أَشْيَاءَ The Prophet says, وَسَكَتَ عَنْ أَشْيَاءَ رَحْمَةً لَكُمْ غَيْرَ نِسْيَانٍ فَلَا تَبْحَثُوا So here he says, the author says, هُنَاكَ أُمُورٌ لَمْ يَأْتِ النَّصُ عَلَيْهَا فِي الْكِتَابِ وَسُنَّةِ And there are certain matters that you don't find text for it in the Qur'an. And in the Sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. فَلَا يُشْتَغَلُوا فِي الْبَحْثِ عَنْهَا وَسُؤَالِ عَنْهَا Beautifully said. So do not busy yourself with matters that is not found in the Quran and the Sunnah. So yeah, right? We alluded to this a few weeks back. You'll find that People will make up scenarios. And then they will come to the scholar. But now what if this happens? What must you do? But it didn't happen. So why dwell into things that has not happened? Understood? So here the author says, do not involve yourself in things that did not happen. And secondly, do not ask about matters that did not occur or you don't know what's going to happen. وَذَلِكَ مِثْلُ السُّؤَالِ عَنِ الْحَجِّ فِي كُلِّ عَامٍ الَّذِي أَنْكَرَوْ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ أَلَى السَّائِلِ So remember we did this hadith. The Prophet ﷺ, he says that hajj is wajib for you. So someone asked, every year, O Messenger of Allah? He said, no. He said, every year, O Messenger of Allah? He said, this was three times. The Prophet ﷺ said, if I was going to tell you that this was going to happen, then hajj would have become compulsory for you every year. Meaning, do not ask unnecessary questions. Now, I dealt with this before, just to recap again. Obviously, if you're sitting in a class and you need to know something, like for example, what we saw now after Maghrib, that's a valid question. The brother wants to know something. He's not being unnecessary. But now you get someone, but now why is it like this? Because Allah and His Messenger said so. But now why couldn't it be like that? See the difference? So they keep on asking unnecessary questions, and that's the problem. A perfect example is before the half of the first Jews where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala informs the Bani Israel to do what? Tadbahu Baqarah. 
They asked the Nabi Musa, are you taking us for a joke? Then what do they do afterwards? Then they say no. The cow must be a certain color. The cow must not be a virgin. It must not plow the land. It must be like this. It must be like that. Oh, lot of things. They were, Allah was on the verge of telling them, now you go find that cow. But it's not. So what is this? This was this was asking unnecessary questions and a lot of questions. Right? Then, so the author then says, right, so he gave the example of the Hajj. And then what does he say? The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he says, ذَرُونِ مَا تَرَكْتُكُمْ فَإِنَّمَا أَهْلَكَ مَنْ كَانَ قَبْلَكُمْ كَثْرَةُ مَسَائِلِهِمْ وَاخْتِلَافُهُمْ عَلَىٰ أَنْبِيَائِهِمْ So here he says that what destroyed nations, what destroyed nations before was what? كَثْرَةُ مَسَائِلِهِمْ that they ask so many questions. And they differed from the Ambiya. So what destroyed nations? So we shouldn't fall into that trap. And there's a matter that is not haram, but they will come and they will ask you, is this haram? <laughs> right? فَيَتَرَتَّبُ عَلَيْهِ التَّحْرِيمُ بِسَبَبِ السُّؤَالِ كَمَا ثَبَتَ بَيَانُ خُطُورَتِهِ فِي حَدِيثٍ عَنْ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ وَبَعْدَ زَمَنِهِ لَا تُسْأَلُ أَسْئِلَةُ الَّتِي فِيهَا right فِيهَا okay so here he says basically he's just explaining to not ask unnecessary questions وَالتَّكَلُفُ وَمَعْنَا سَكَتَ أَنْ أَشْيَا فَلَمْ يَفْرِضْهَا وَلَمْ يُوْجِبْهَا وَلَمْ يُحَرِّمْهَا فَلَا يُسْأَلْ عَنْ So, when it says here about keeping quiet on matters which is not fard وَلَمْ يُوْجِبْ And it is not wajib It is not haram فَلَا يُسْأَلْ عَنْهُ So do not ask about those things وَقَدْ قَالَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى and Allah says, Ya yuhalladhina amanu, la tas'alu an ashiyah. Oh, you who believe, do not ask about matters. In tubedalakum tasukum. Wa in tas'alu anha hina yunazzalu al-Qur'anu tubedalakum. Afallahu anha. Wallahu ghafurun halim. So, Ya Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, that if disclosed, it would displease you, and if you ask about them, whilst it will be revealed, then they will be disclosed to you, and Allah has pardoned you in it. And then even Rajab rahimahullah ta'ala, he says, And that which is things that are silent, فَهُوَ مَا لَمْ يُذْكَرْ حُكْمُهُ بِالتَّحْلِيلِ وَلَا إِجَابِ وَلَا تَحْرِيمِ so Imam Rajab rahimahullah ta'ala, he says that the matters that are silent, the matters that are not spoken about, they keep silent. So he says that this 
won't fall then into something which is haram or halal or wajib. فَيَكُونُ مَعْفُوعًا عَنْهُ لَا حَرَجَ عَلَى فَاعِلِهِ And the fa'il, the one that does it, right, the one that does this, they are pardoned over this and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. The next hadith, al-hadith hadi wa thalathun, hadith number 31. عن أبي العباس سهل بن سعد الساعدي رضي الله عنه قال جاء رجل إلى النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم فقال يا رسول الله دلني على عمل إذا عملته أحبني الله وأحبني الناس فقال Izhad fi dunya yuhibbuk Allah. Wazhad fi ma indan nasi yuhibbuk al-nas. Hadithun hasan rawaw ibn maja wa ghayruhu bi asamida hasan. So this hadith is narrated by Abu al-Abbas Sahal ibn Sa'd al-Sa'idi. May Allah be pleased with him. He said, that a man came to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and he said, O Messenger of Allah, direct me to an act which if I do it will cause Allah to love me and will cause and the people to love me. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, renounce the world and Allah will love you. And renounce what the people possess and the people will love you. So here the first point again, like we've seen in other ahadith of Rasulullah and we've covered certain of these ahadith before, over the past few weeks. The commitment of the companions, the eagerness to learn, their willingness to ask Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So see, he says, and he says, O Messenger of Allah, inform me. Dallani. Indicate to me something that Allah is going to love me for. And that the people is going to love me. So now the Prophet sallallahu explains. Right, so he says, Izhad fi dunya yuhibbuka Allah. And here this hadith, bayana. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Anna mahabbatallahi Tuhassalu bizuhdi Fid dunya And this hadith It deals with the Concept of Zuhd Or as the common Layman knows it to be Tasawwuf So here's a hadith now About zuhd So if I were to ask you what is what is zuhd? What would you say? Define to me what is zuhd. Right? Okay, yes, yeah, so define define it to me. So someone says that he's a Zaid, right? He's someone that's involved, he's giving up the world, etc. So what is your understanding of this? Of zuhd? No? Haji? 
Een goede mens. Oké? Okay? Een good person. Van een ads aan Nee, nee, nee. Nou. Right? Met die Fatima met die ads aan die? Nou? Oké. Okay. So. If I were to ask you. If I were to say. Not having wealth. Wearing broken clothing. <coughs> sleeping on the floor. Is this what the Prophet meant by zucht? Is this what Allah subhanahu Why do you say no? Okay, you must be the best in everything. Want to add something? Anyone else? Speak. Now. But I mean, but so I have money today, but I give my money away because, because that money. Can, yes. In moderation. Type. Right. So now we're getting somewhere. Right. Sometimes not good just to have one person speaking all the time. Abu Muslim Al Khawlani. He says. That zuhd is to renounce the world. Or, no, he says that zuhd is, right? And now he's going to explain. To renounce the world does not mean to forbid what is allowed, nor to squander one's wealth. So this is the first point. So zuhd, or renouncing the dunya, is not involving yourself or trying to forbid what? Allah has allowed you to do. And also it is not to squander. Meaning if you have wealth it is not to be wasteful etc. For verily to renounce the world means to be more reliant on what is in the hands of Allah than you own in your own hand. Right? So to renounce the world is to, yani, to put your trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and not put the trust in what I can do or what I have. If you are afflicted with a calamity, you have stronger hope for the reward in store for you if you continue to endure it. And this is found in the Kitabu Zuhd of Imam Ahmad. So some of the ulama also, they explain, they give different definitions of Zuhd. They say Zuhd is to renounce the dunya and to work for the akhirah. Right? So Zuhd is not your typical understanding of Zuhd that we see today. That I need to give my, all my money away. I have to be poor. I have to wear broken clothing. Right? Or I have to right, have a car that's half broken and falling down. No. If Allah has granted you wealth, alhamdulillah. Do not squander that wealth. Do not let that wealth into your heart. This is what Zuhd is all about. Zuh is about knowing who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is. Obeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's orders. Staying away from his prohibitions. And worshiping Allah ka'anna katara. 
Worship Allah as we did this hadith before. As if you can see Allah. And if you cannot see Allah, then know that Allah can see you. Living your whole life that being aware of Allah Azza wa Jal. Living your whole life that Allah is watching every step that you take. Every word that comes out is being recorded. This is what is understood by Zuhd. Then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he says وَزْهُدْ فِيمَا إِنَّ النَّاسِ يُحِبَّكَ النَّاسِ And do not want what the people have. This is basically what it means. For indeed the people will love you. If you want people to love you do not wish so, mashallah, I have a beautiful car. You know, I also want our car, man. Nice house, I must also get that house. People's going to start thinking, what is wrong with you? So, think of this. That you want people to love you. Don't always have this thing that because you have something, I must have it. Right? And people are like that. They have stuff, so I must also have it. They go on holiday, so I must go on holiday. Be content with what you have. And if people see this, then the people will love you. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. The next hadith. Al-hadith al-thani wa thalathun. Right? Hadith number 32. An Abi Sa'id al-Hudri. Yes. An Abi Sa'id al-Hudri radiyallahu anhu. أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال لا ضرر ولا درار لا ضرر ولا درار سعيد خدري رضي الله عنه he says the prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said they should be neither harming يعني ضرر ولا درار no reciprocating harm they should be no harm, no harming, and do not bring harm unto others. So this hadith is a very powerful hadith and it has a lot of meaning with regards to the Sharia. Not in other hadith don't, but this hadith specifically, it has a lot of fawaid and benefits that we can take from this. Right, so what we can understand from here is that there is not to be any causing of harm, nor is there to be any reciprocating of harm. So if we look at the Prophet ﷺ statement, Ahmad al-Zarqa, he says, or he has denied or ruled out the any, any existence of any form or type of darar, any form of harm. And this is what the Prophet ﷺ has done. La darar wa la dirar. So he has excluded any type of harm. With a small arm, big arm. This is not befitting of a believer. So the, this manner of speech is stronger or further reaching than simply saying that something is prohibited or warning people about performing a certain act. Furthermore, he says or he points out that darar and dirar are in the same 
indefinite forms. When something is both in the negative and in the indefinite form, as is the case here, then the term is taken in the most general meaning. If it had to have an al, then it would have been specific for certain things. But here it is general. And this brief statement of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has been understood in different ways. So scholars have, they, they differed. This is human beings, this is ulama. They look at the text and the understanding will be different at times. So basically they say no tarar and no tirar. Meaning that the meaning of tarar and tirar as well as the difference between them needs to be established first before the hadith can be commented on further. So there are few interpretations of this two words, tarar and dirar, simply meaning that's the first interpretation that it means the same thing. Hamin and having been stated together as a type of emphasis. This is the first meaning. The second interpretation is that tarar means that no one is to be harmed. And tirar is that no one must harm other people. It's the second one. The third one is that where a person gets some benefit from something while this need right, while his neighbor is harmed by it. And that is tarar. And tirar, on the other hand, is a reference to a case where the person himself enjoys no benefit from something while it is harmful to his neighbor. See the difference. The first one is he harms his neighbor but he is also getting a benefit. The second one is he is getting no benefit but he is still harming his neighbor. So third. Another definition or interpretation by Ibn Abdul Bar, he says... That daran means to harm someone else and dirar refers to harming someone in response to some harm that was received from another person but not in the manner that is correct or just according to the law. Right, so these are just some of the definitions or some of the statements of the ulama that is there a difference between daran and dirar and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. The strongest or best interpretation seems to be that of Ibn Abdul Bar, the last one that I did. And hence the translation says, there is not to be any causing of harm, nor is there to be any reciprocating of harm. Right? Do not harm other people and do not reciprocate harm. Acts that are only meant to bring about harm to others. So this type of act is an evil and, pro and which is prohibited in Islam. Right? You cannot do an action that is going to harm other people. Correct? And a true believer, someone that believes in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he is not going to harm other people. And this is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Right, and the example here is about retaining one's wife after pronouncing or pronouncement of divorce. 
وَلَا تُمْسِكُوهُنَّ دِرَارًا لِتَعْتَدُوا But do not take them back just to hurt them. Right? So sometimes you find a marriage and there's some difficulty in the marriage. The wife doesn't want to be with the husband or whatever. Now he wants to be spiteful. So what does he do? He doesn't want to give that talaq. She must now stay there. Right? So this is what is here. Do not do that. Do not be spiteful. وَمَنْ يَفْعَلْ ذَلِكْ فَقَدْ ظَلَمَ نَفْسَهُ And Allah says, and whoever does this has wronged his soul. And then Allah says also in another verse, وَبُعُولَتُهُنَّ أَحَقُّ بِرَدِّهِنَّ فِي ذَلِكَ إِنْ أَرَادُوا إِصْلَاحَ Right? And their husbands have the better right to take them back in that period if they wish reconciliation. So these verses prove that if a man returns to his wife, divorced wife, during her waiting period, and he does that simply with the intention of causing harm, then this is haram. He shouldn't be doing this. Let the go, want to go. Don't cause harm. Right, so this was just one example, um, right, of this harm issue. The next one that we can look at or a much more problematic area is where a person performs an act that is permissible and beneficial for him but that unfortunately has a negative consequence for others. An example for this is a person uses his property in a way that is permissible but whilst doing this he has damaged the property of his neighbor. So how is a case like this look? In under this hadith la tarara wa la dira. So if a person performs an act that is customarily considered improper because it is known to lead to harmful results, then he would be held responsible for that act and should be prevented from it. The example that the scholars give is starting a fire on his property on a very windy day. If the fire spreads to his neighbor, he is to be held responsible. So I make a fire here. And it's extremely windy. So I know the consequences. That there might be a possibility that some of my, the sparks of my fire can be blown into my neighbor's lawn, for example. And he has dry grass. And what's going to happen? It's going to cause a fire there. So am I arming him? Yes, I am. Am I going to be held responsible? Yes, I will be held responsible. And Allah who subhanahu wa ta'ala knows and like this we can understand this hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam do not harm people right do not harm people unnecessary do not cause harm to people and right let's just I would like just to look at one or two of the benefits of this hadith Yes, so the author, he says, 
bayanu kamali syariati wa husniha fi raf'i tarari wal idrar subhanallah he says that the sharia right the sharia is complete and the sharia is husni that it is the best thing it even loves harm and it speaks about harm and the effects that harm can have on other people and he says that the next point this is last point that a muslim he should not harm people he should not harm the next person and if someone also harmed he should not try and go and harm them back and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best and inshallah we're going to end on this hadith and the next hadith for next week also it deals with similar issue with regards to the rights of people etc and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best wa sallallahu ala sayyidina muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika shadu wa la ilaha illa astaghfiruka wa atubu